going on, New York Giants fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you guys haven't already on YouTube, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops video drops. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, make sure to subscribe or whatever. I don't think there's really a subscribe button. If there is, add to the favorites, whatever. Do what you need to do, but uh, keep listening. Because there's definitely some interesting things coming up on this podcast episode and the ones in the future. So, this is obviously going to be a huge talk about of the Patriots game that happened on Sunday. Important events, stock up, stock down, injuries, key takeaways, stuff like that. Uh, the Giants lost 20-2-20. to It didn't seem that close until the end. Obviously, towards the end of the podcast or towards the end of important events we'll get into why it was so close and obviously there's going to be some stuff to take away you know the starters played uh, for about a half some different guys played and did not play with the first team offense and defense so obviously once again there's stuff to take away definitely keep watching definitely keep listening so as I always do with these games whether it be Yankees or Giants or whatever I'm going to go into chronological order in terms of first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter, probably the most important events. Uh, First quarter, the Giants received the ball first, and they finished the drive unsuccessfully. It ended in a Riley Dixon punt. Andrew Thomas was beat off the edge by Josh Uche on third down. Um, I think that was maybe one or two plays after a five-yard pass play to Darius Slayton, which was a short route. Um, You know, we'll talk about route concepts at the end, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I was going to save it for the end, but this is kind of a topic that we kind of have to get into now. The offensive line to start, it did not look good. You know, I'm usually that optimistic guy that says, well, you know, uh, you know, the offensive line is growing and we got to give it time. Sure, but... They did not look good today. Uh, to end off the first half, they looked fine. Or at least they looked decent enough. You know, they weren't, you know, first-ranked offensive line in the NFL towards the end, no. But they were decent enough where Jones had time to move the offense downfield and get a touchdown before the end of the half, which was probably the best drive of the ball game. Um Obviously, we'll discuss that more in the second quarter, but just some basic thoughts is that the offensive line other than one or two players, did not look that great to start. You know, Matt Parrott was struggling. It was mainly the tackles. It was mainly the tackles. Nate Solder, Matt Parrott, and Andrew Thomas. There's a stat at the end I'll give about Andrew Thomas, and I know a lot of Giants fans and a lot of my listeners here want to hear what I think about Andrew Thomas, Solder, and Parrott on an extended level, but I do want to get into the chronological events first. But once again, keep watching, keep listening. An 18-yard run by Damian Harris follows a 6-yard pass to Jacoby Myers. Um, early enough, once again, this is the similar, I can't say scheme, but similar game plan for the defense from last year. Uh, it's a bend but don't break defense. Now, obviously, with Adoree Jackson hopefully playing in Week 1, some things will change in terms of you know how many times you play man, how many times you blitz on third down, and stuff like that. Uh, this isn't the James Betcher system, but they were playing a good function of zone and man. But you know they did allow that big 18-yard by, run by Damian Harris, and I think that was it in terms of like 
explosive plays. There was like maybe one or two plays where, okay, it seemed a little big. Like there was one pass, uh, I think, where Blake Martinez was in coverage or someone else was in coverage. But, you know, the defense did not give up the explosive play, even with Radarius Williams at the second cornerback spot primarily. Um, obviously, there were some small, tiny runs, but, you know, uh, overall, the first defense did a good job. They didn't even allow a touchdown in the first two quarters, and that's what they did. You know, they played in the first two quarters. So, the Patriots finished off that drive with a Nick Folk field goal, 3 nothing. The Giants made progress in that second drive, but, again, that offensive line. Uh, there was maybe a few nice runs, a few nice pass plays. I remember, I think it was that drive specifically, where they had the play action. Jones was rolling right. He threw it to Ingram, and then he got a first down, and then maybe a couple other short routes and stuff like that. So the offense made progress, I felt, in that drive. But once again, he was being pressured up the wazoo. Um, Andrew Thomas was part of that, definitely. I'm not going to sit there and, you know defend him because this is a podcast where we tell the truth try to be as unbiased as possible they allowed within the first two drives i think three four five quarterback hits that's freaking crazy and i'm not stretching the truth here i literally went on espn after the second drive and it was already like five quarterback hits three quarterback hits something like that but on that specific drive, the second drive, they allowed two to three quarterback hits and a sack. Uh, Juwan Bentley and Dietrich Wise combining for the sack. And I think that pushed them back even more. And I want to say that was the drive where Darius Slayton had that key drop. I think it was actually. Uh, yeah, it was. And, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, well, this, that, and the other thing. I'm not going to waddle around the actual idea and what actually happened. Darius Slayton should have caught that. And I know Carl Banks was saying, well, Daniel Jones on the sack did have Devontae Booker, you know, coming across, which is true. You know, Daniel Jones kind of threw there. But once again, Jones had a limited amount of time, and that was that. You know, obviously we'll blame Jones in a couple of minutes because he did make a very crucial mistake, which probably led to the procrastination of the touchdown and just scoring in general till later in the second ha- uh, second quarter, excuse me. But, uh, they punted, they left it inside the Patriots' two-yard line, so, you know, that's where they started. A couple of small plays, and then Cam Newton drops back, absolute great play by Blake Martinez. We know that Blake Martinez is not a coverage linebacker. He's not. He was defending Jacoby Myers on the play. He is not a coverage linebacker. He's a run-stuffing linebacker. He's a big tackler. That is excellent ball skills by Blake Martinez. You know, it looked like at first Jacoby Myers had it, rips it out of the hands before he gets to the ground. That's an interception. And that's a key takeaway. Key takeaway, you know, obviously last year the Giants bumped up in terms of turnovers from 2019. 2019, they barely had any turnovers. In 2020, you had all guys getting interceptions. You had uh, Martinez getting one, Peppers, Ryan, Bradbury, all these other guys getting interceptions. And not just that, you know, creating fumbles. So, once again, that is going to be a big part of this defense and being a big part of this defense's success. 
So they don't really start off the drive really well in terms of going back from that Martinez interception. Darius Slayton gets called for offensive pass interference. What happened was they threw it out to, I believe it was Booker. And Slayton, A, he held the guy. B, the most important, he blocked before Booker caught it. So that's pass interference offensively. Uh, Good call by the refs there. Um, Sterling Shepard, Mr. Third Down. He's another one that had a good game. Obviously, we'll talk about it much towards the end. But he had a good game. Moved the chains on a 15-yard pass play. I think also there was a holding penalty there, but the Giants declined it. Uh, They also advanced on another holding penalty on Michael Jackson. And they get up to the goal line with a couple of nice plays and stuff like that. So... I think it's second and goal. They try punching it in with Devontae Booker. Doesn't work. He stuffed at the line. A lot of blown blocks, whatever. Third down, Daniel Jones moves right, throws a red zone interception. Whew, I was pissed. I was pissed. Um, You know... Evan Ingram was a big part of the Giants' turnovers last year. There's plenty to say about that. But just because he was the intended receiver doesn't mean it was his fault. Evan Ingram absolutely took no fault in that interception. Daniel Jones threw it way behind him. And could you say it was a bad play call? Sure. Because it's the one-yard line, you really should be punching it in the end zone, sure. But when your offense is already lagging behind, you can't be making stupid mistakes. It's either you roll out, you throw it to Ingram, and you make a complete pass for the touchdown, and then we're not talking about this. You either do that, duck for the sack, throw it away, or something constructive. Because those three points that could have been a field goal, or those seven points if you want to stretch it even more, could have helped the offense and could have helped the way this game went. Now, sure, obviously, Graham Gano did miss an easy field goal. But once again, this is part of why we're questioning Daniel Jones coming into the season. Once again, if it wasn't for that turnover, he would have had a great game. Great overall for preseason standards. Now, do I think he had a horrible game? No. Because, you know, other than that pass, another pass that was intended for Pettis that really should have been intercepted and maybe another pass, I thought he did fine. With the pocket collapsing a lot, the short routes, this, that, and the other thing, I don't think it's too much to overreact on. Obviously, the route concepts and the offensive line are causes for concern heading into the season and I'm going to say this now this is a phrase you'll probably hear a lot from football guys I would rather Daniel Jones throw an interception trying to stretch the field than it be something short and stupid like that that's my honest opinion because there you're taking more of a risk in the end zone Yeah, you're taking a risk, but it's not as big as, oh, you're trying to stretch the field. You're just throwing a one-yard pass for a touchdown. You know, it's not that big of a risk. And 
I'm a little frustrated with these route concepts, but once again, that's towards the end and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, before the 15-yard pass, it was the second quarter, so we're in the second quarter chronologically right now. The Giants, on the following drive after the Jones interception, bend but don't break defense. Uh, Pats score a field goal, 6 nothing. Giants had two penalties, but it did finish up well for one guy who had a penalty. Drive started off holding defense number 97. It was a hold on Dexter Lawrence, and he held the running back so that he wouldn't get the screen pass. And obviously, once again, that's a penalty. And then later on, James Bradbury holding defense number 24. Not great. And I'm going to say this. This is my personal opinion. For two teams that have some of the hardest head coaches in the NFL. And they instill so much discipline into some of these guys. It felt like there was a lot of penalties this game. That's me. Maybe I'm wrong to some people. But you know what? This is just my opinion. With that being said, Dexter Lawrence did finish the drive well. He actually sacked Mac Jones for the first time in the game. And then obviously there were sacks later on. With that being said, um, on the next drive, Andrew Thomas, he cost the Giants field position very early with a holding penalty. Carl Davis, who was trying to get him around the edge, obviously grasped with the jersey. Not great for Andrew Thomas. Not a great game for uh, AT. And, you know, I hope he really gets off of these woes because, you know, this offensive line needs to step up and gel. And. That's going to be a big question and a big part of why we succeed or why we don't succeed. So once again, that's going to be a discussion for the end. Um, Evan Ingram left the game with a calf injury, did not come back. I didn't expect him to come back even if he was eligible because obviously the Sarge played one half. Evan Ingram left in the second quarter. Uh, hopefully he's okay. Obviously he's had a calf injury before and it's not really something that is great to hear. He's one of the important players on this team, but if he's injured, and people could say, oh, well, it's preseason, it doesn't matter, Evan Ingram shouldn't have been out there. Well, you know what? What if this happened in the regular season? I'm not going to blame anyone for injuries right now, but we'll see. It's probably going to play into his contract if he's out long enough. But once again, we're not stretching anyone's imagination right now. Finishing up with the end of the half. Giants execute two-minute offense well, obviously finishes with a Daniel Jones 23-yard touchdown pass to Caden Smith, 7-6. to six. That was a beautiful pass. That was a beautiful drive, short routes, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and then Daniel Jones just over the top. Smith makes the catch. Those are the explosive plays. Those are the big plays that a lot of Giants fans, including myself, are looking for. Sure, you know, you could take a look at Oh, well, the short plays, you know, that try to get first downs and stuff like that, you know, they they soak up time of possession. Well, what happens if you don't score on those drives that have the short routes? It costs you big, and then, oh, shit, we just wasted time for no goddamn reason. So, once again, that's a part of the route concepts conversation. We'll talk about it after the important events, stuff like that. Um, but once again, nice play from Daniel Jones to Caden Smith. Field goal's good. And then a way to end the half. End on a good note for the starters, at least in my opinion. Um, three-man rush, 
four men, maybe, but I think it was a three-man rush. Obviously, um, you know, all the other guys were in the defensive backfield. Lorenzo Carter. I thought that Mac Jones was going to get away, but Carter grasped him enough. He was down that end of the half. That's one of the players I wanted to see in this game, Lorenzo Carter. Because coming off that Achilles, you know, everyone's placing their doubts and their bets on how good he's going to play, how bad he's going to play, you know, what his status will be. And that gave me confidence. Sure, oh, he's not winning off the edge immediately like freaking Khalil Mack, but, you know, more coverage sacks. And let's go back into something real quick. Obviously, last year, the Giants improved in the category of sacks. It wasn't by much, but, you know, that was obviously, you know, some blitzes on occasion and you had uh soft zone coverage and all the situation last year with the you know personnel Isaac Yadam Devontae Downs whatever you insert a Dory Jackson and some of the other guys now you can get more coverage sacks Lorenzo Carter can definitely be a part of that so that's something I'm welcoming if he has success listen big win for the Giants and maybe that narrative won't stick of don't draft University of Georgia players. So we go into the third quarter. This is kind of where my takeaways kind of start to lower a little bit because we kind of see the same thing. The Patriots started off on the right foot. They did score a touchdown. Uh, the Giants' defense, their second defense, really struggled. And I could say this throughout the entire second half. That's my opinion, at least. Uh, score was 12-7. to Alex Bachman drops a key pass on third down. Not great for somebody who really hasn't shown up in these preseason games, at least my opinion. Giants defense gives up a long drive, another touchdown, that being to Ramondre Stevenson on the ground. Um, after a very long drive, Giants miss a field goal. Key drops by Alex Bachman and Dante Pettis. We move into the fourth quarter. Alex Bachman, I think, either was, um, I think I want to say it was the fourth quarter. I want to say it was, yeah. Um, in the fourth quarter, he had like a big reception. And yards after catch was big for him too. And also, 12-yard touchdown, so it was 19-14 to 14 at that point. Then, a progressive drive for the Patriots towards the end of the game. Quinn Norton field goal, 22-14. Uh, unfortunately, Ted Larson limped off the field after a completion to Damian Willis. So that wasn't great within the last, I think it was like five minutes, four minutes, three minutes to go. You definitely don't want to lose an offensive lineman who's on the bubble and who's been playing somewhat decently compared to your other guys. Um, Giants get the ball back with 27 seconds to go. I thought the game was just over, you know, done, this, that, and the other thing. They tried for a field goal for some reason. I think you could kneel it out at that point, if I'm not mistaken. But they tried for a field goal. They missed. And Mike Glennon takes the snap, rolls left, which is really, you know, uh, not normal for a right-handed quarterback. You usually roll right. Rolls left, throws it up. Damian Willis, 43-yard touchdown. They don't get the two-point conversion. And from there, Graham Gano doesn't really make a great onside kick. Giants lose 22-20. to so here we are for the stock up, stock down. That'll be injuries, key takeaways, and that'll be pretty much the end of the podcast episode. So for the stock up, Damian Willis, 
He's been a guy, in my personal opinion, who really hasn't shown up in camp, but when it comes game time, he means it. You know, he's the shit in terms of wide receivers for the back end of the roster. I think it's, uh, I think he's potentially a guy that the Giants keep on the practice squad. He's in his last year of eligibility. Why not use it? If he doesn't get picked up by another team, and I don't think he will, to be honest, because I think he's just a practice squad guy, back end of the roster. So they'll probably just stash him on the practice squad. That's my prediction. At least three three receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, that big 43-yard Hail Mary reception. Nakia Griffin-Stewart didn't do too bad. Uh, he got some first-team reps at three tight end. Um, You know, I don't know how his blocking game was, but his passing game stats weren't bad. He caught all of his passes, three receptions, 30 yards. Eli Penny did well out of the backfield, trucked a couple of defensive backs. I mean, that was great. Uh, four rushes, 35 yards, and 8.8 yards per carry. So I think he's definitely making the roster. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run out of the backfield. So obviously that would be big. Say Corey Clement or uh, Devontae Booker or Saquon Barkley goes down. He's there just in case the Giants maybe mark somebody inactive or somebody's hurt or somebody can't be used, whatever. I think he's definitely good insurance, and I think the Giants know a lot more about Elijah Penny than they did last year, my personal opinion. Corey Clement, I don't think he did bad. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he didn't take reps with the first team. I don't think he did bad. Four rushes, 24 yards, about six yards per carry, so not bad. Daniel Jones. Now, obviously, take this with a grain of salt because of the interception, because of the what would be other interception um, that throw to Dante Pettis along the sideline, which I believe was an out route. Um, you know, I don't think he had a bad game. Do I really want to see that turnover again? Absolutely fucking not. Obviously, he's going to throw interceptions this season, but I don't think he had a bad game. I'm not going to say, oh, well, the offensive line, you know, uh, he's the, the reason they threw the interception. No, I'm not going to sit here and defend him. That was his fault. But, you know, a lot of people questioning last year, oh, Daniel Jones, he doesn't have the uh, the mindset to win. He doesn't have the fire to win. Well, what showed me that they were wrong, just personally in my opinion, is when they got the ball back, two-minute warning, he led them down the field, Caden Smith touchdown. That is in my opinion, is where his fire is in the most important moments. Potentially, it could be in the regular season. Because I know last year there was a lot of moments where he just did some stupid, boneheaded, dumbass decisions. Like the Tampa Bay game. And then some of the other games that he threw turnovers in last year. So, um, overall, I think he did pretty decently. I'm not going to say he was MVP caliber. But he had a decent game. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, he sucked. Oh, he's an MVP candidate. No. Had a decent game. Enough for me to say stock up. CJ Board, uh, not necessarily in the receiving game. He had one reception for eight yards. Uh, but you take a look at his kick returning game, which could be big for the New York Giants on special teams. Maybe uh, people reconsider their 53-man roster projections. Um, he had two kick returns for 58 yards, which is about 29 average. But he had a 28-yard kick return. He took it from, I believe, inside his own three to get it out to at least the 30-yard line. So, um, you know, that's big for the Giants. You know, in years past, they've really had trouble with that kick returning position ever since Dwayne Harris left. And they really haven't had a stable guy there. So, uh, C.J. Board would be good for kickoff returns. Just saying. I mean, 
we'll see how the Giants value him in the passing game as a backup. Uh, Blake Martinez, maybe one or two bad plays, but Blake Martinez, you know, that interception was very key. Unfortunately, Daniel Jones kind of threw that in the fucking trash with the interception. But Blake Martinez making two tackles, a pass deflection, and interception, so key for him. Lorenzo Carter, as I mentioned, uh, I was really excited to see him, and I was really excited to see that sack because I really like the guy. I really want him to turn out to be something for the Giants, whether it's, you know, oh, my God, it's Khalil Mack. You know, he needs to be Khalil Mack. I'm not expecting him to be that. But I want him to have some production on this team, especially after last year when he was going to have at least a good season and then the Achilles, you know. Uh, but he did have that sack on Mac Jones, and they actually got to him four times. Twice, I believe, with the second-team defense, twice with the first-team defense. So that's called, you know, whether you have second-stringers or first-stringers, that's called putting pressure on the rookie quarterback. And we're going to be seeing some rookie quarterbacks this season. We're going to be seeing Justin Fields later on in the season, most likely. I mean, I know they said Andy Dalton is the week one starter, but you could probably bank on that Justin Fields is going to be uh, later in the season starting. That's week 16, I want to say. Or week 17, one of them, you know, it's 18 games now. Or I should say 18 weeks now. But, uh, you know, anyway, Lorenzo Carter, good game. Julian Love, um, obviously had too much to take away from Julian Love, but I thought that pass deflection, I think it was intended for Asiasi or some other guy. Nice pass deflection over the middle, and obviously that nice tackle on special teams. So if you could do that, if you can contribute on special teams, if you could play corner a little bit, that's how Julian Love stays on this team. Kanan Smith, he had the out route uh, reception for a first down. Actually, I don't know if it was an out route. It may have been, but it was a short route, first down, and then obviously the touchdown, and I really want to see him catch more touchdowns this year. You know, obviously he was a big part in the running game last year as a blocking tight end. What was that connection we saw uh, down the stretch from in 2019? Well, that's right. Besides Slayton and Jones, it was Caden Smith and Daniel Jones against Washington. Um, some of the deep passes against Philly. Caden Smith, hello. Got to get him involved. I'm not saying he's Kyle Rudolph. I'm not saying he's Evan Ingram. But you got to get him involved. Because realistically, if Jones trusts him like he does, he could be a bigger weapon than many perceive him to be. And then finally, Sterling Shepard, the security blanket as everybody refers him to, five receptions, 42 yards. Uh, had another solid game. If he stays on the field this season, he's going to be one of the more consistent weapons for Daniel Jones. Now we go to stock down, and there's a couple here. I'm not going to lie to you. Mike Glennon. I thought he was not too great tonight. Uh, obviously, he completed over 50% of his passes, but, you know, uh, that one to Sills, that, that should have been a touchdown. That really should have been a touchdown. He ran a great route. Uh, they were playing back, but he ran a great route. Could have been into the end zone. But he overthrew it. That's what makes me say stock down. He had a couple other bad passes. But, you know, that's your backup quarterback. No one's going to say Mike Lennon's going to be, oh, well, you know, he's going to be this, that, and the other thing. And I'll give him credit. He did have the Hail Mary touchdown. He also had the touchdown to Alex Bachman, which I believe was on a crossing route or an out route. One of those short routes. 
But other than that, and once again, I know he threw the two touchdowns. I'm not stupid, blind, deaf, and dumb. But some of the other passes could have been really thrilling for the offense. And I'm not saying it's all the second team's fault because the first team had its fair share of errors. But that one pass to Sills really could have been a touchdown and would have changed the complexion of the game, as Chris Canty likes to say on uh, ESPN Radio. Andrew Thomas, this one is a dead given for anyone who's being realistic. Gives me worries a little bit, honestly. And I was really optimistic coming into this year. Well, the offensive line, it could be good. I want it to be below average or average at least. I'm not saying it has to be pro-tier. But seeing now that he has a new weakness, eh, not really enthusiastic about it. In the first couple of snaps, he allowed three pressures and two sacks. That's in two possessions, of course. Not great. Not great. Um, You know, this is a big year for Daniel Jones. And if the offensive line... Listen, they could be bad. But if they're tragic, and if they're just standout horrible, then we're not going to get any answers. And who's it going to fall on? Realistically, and I know I've been defending him in the past. It's going to fall on Dave Gettleman. It's going to fall on the coaches. It's going to fall on the personnel. So... Just putting it out there, but hopefully he gets better by week one because you think this is bad? Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, some of the other guys in the Broncos, they'll know how to do things. Uh, Nate Solder, he had a few good reps, few bad reps, but he gave up one sack, and he had a really impressive week in camp, unfortunately, obviously gave up the sack. Matt Parrott, he didn't give up a sack, but he was mishmash in that one play at the goal line before the Jones interception. And also he had that one just horrible rep uh, near the goal line where he was just turnt, twist, beat. I forget it was on the inside or the outside, but it was just horrible. You know, that's not something you want to see. And listen, obviously offensive tackles and guards have their bad reps. There's nobody's, no, nobody's going to argue with that. But that was not great. That was not great. Uh, two defensive backs that are backups that had bad games, Jordan Peters and Chris Johnson. I mean, their roster cuts, that's kind of where it is right now. That's kind of where it stands right now. Uh, you know, I don't expect much, but they didn't play good. The next guy, I know a lot of people may disagree with me because of the touchdown, but Alex Bachman, six targets, two receptions, 33 yards and a touchdown. Obviously you could go back and watch the game and watch all six targets, maybe some overthrows or underthrows by Mike Lennon, but the one pass, and it was a key drop. How do you drop that? He was aiming towards the right sideline. It was a bullet right to Bachman, and he just drops it. If you're going to make the roster or make an attempt to get on the roster, you cannot, and I mean you cannot, drop those passes. That's the problem. You know, the Giants are trying to figure out that Fifth and sixth receiver, if they're keeping six, if they're keeping five, if they're keeping how many other receivers. You can't be inconsistent as a back-end receiver if you're trying to make the roster. And that's the problem, in my personal opinion. A lot of these guys have been inconsistent. Now, David Sills, um, you know, he had one reception tonight, which I believe went for a total of 14 yards, which was, I believe, along the left sideline or something like that. But other than him... 
You know, there's been in- some inconsistencies. Dante Pettis, Alex Bachman, uh, Damian Willis has been there, but he's not going to make the roster, let's be honest with ourselves. Austin Mack, he isn't playing, so he's probably going to make the practice squad or he's just going to get cut, period. But once again, speaking in Bachman's sake, speaking in the perspective of Dante Pettis, you cannot drop key passes if you're looking to be on an NFL roster. And that's also if you don't offer any other qualities or attributes or abilities. Because Pettis, he has some kick return duties. He has some kick return abilities, for lack of better words. Alex Bachman doesn't. He can play on special teams. He actually did a little bit in the Patriots game. But, you know, there's probably a thousand other receivers in the NFL that can actually do that. And you have to stand out. My personal opinion. Teeter-tottering. These two guys, well, actually, I'm going to count another one. Two of the three guys I'm going to mention here, you know, they played okay. One of them I was really surprised to see not really have an impact on the game. Two of those guys, in terms of, you know, they played okay. Madre Harper and Devontae Downs. Harper was strong tackling for a little bit of the most part. His covering, I'm absolutely not a fan of. But there was one play where he just got shaken up by, it was either a receiver, I think it was a receiver, because he was playing back, he could have had a chance to tackle him, but the receiver, you know, first down and more. It turned out to be one of the bigger plays of the second half. Um, And then Devontae Downs, obviously he had his covering issues, but he was decent in terms of tackling, which is why the Giants value him. He also made a, a tackle on special teams. So that's no surprise to anyone. And then this guy, he really disappeared today, in my opinion. And it's really disappointing because this is the final audition to be, you know, in whatever position in terms of the roster bubble. Trent Harris, he did have a sack. He did have a quarterback hit. Obviously, that was in the second half, uh, four tackles. But other than that, he didn't set the edge in the run game. He actually had a pretty big whoa where he went inside, and then the running back was countering to the outside. You know, that's not, that's not great if you want to set the edge. Um, and if you want to make the roster, you have to be two-dimensional at least, or at least decent in both sides of the ball, running and passing. But Trent Harris, I mean, other than the sack, I didn't really see him today. going to be honest here. Didn't really see him. David Moe, I believe, was credited for half a sack. Uh, I thought he did okay. You know, not too noticeable. But obviously, if you want to know about David Moe and some of the other guys, go look at my 53-man roster predictions and stuff like that. So real quickly in terms of the injuries before we get to the key takeaways. Uh, Darius Slayton, ankle injury. He left the game, but he actually came back. Uh, He was on the sideline doing some stuff, whatever. So not that major, it seems like. Maybe just some ankle cramps or his ankle hurt a little bit or something like that. But not too major if he came back out. Uh, Evan Ingram was out with a calf injury. I want to see the extent of that because obviously he's had his injury concerns in the past. He's had calf injuries. He's had different types of injuries. And it's not good, especially when it's with Evan Ingram, who's been injury-prone most of his career. And then also Ted Larson with the knee injury. He was on the sideline with his online buddies, but, you know, he was limping off the field. So, as I mentioned earlier, not great for somebody who's trying to make this roster and who's 34 years old. Once again, not great. So we move into the final section, which is... The takeaways, the key takeaways from this game. Um, Trent Harris and David Sills did not play with the first team. 
kind of interesting. And honest opinion, I thought David Sills and Trent Harris kind of disappeared today. Honest opinion, and you guys know that I'm honest with you guys, um, Trent Harris and David Sills definitely disappeared in my opinion. Against the Patriots, David Sills won reception for 14 yards. Trent Harris, other than the sack, he didn't do anything off the edge in terms of uh, creating quarterback pressures. He didn't do anything in terms of setting the edge. So, you know, other than the sack, nothing there, bud. Sorry, that's just my opinion. Both have had impressive camps. Maybe it was just an off day for them. And it's one thing if you're disappearing with the first team. If you're disappearing with the second and third team, that's kind of tough to scale. And it makes your case harder if you're trying to make a roster spot, if you know what I'm saying. Ted Larson starts over Kenny Wiggins. I don't know if I have too much to take away about this. Obviously, Ted Larson got injured uh, towards the end of the game. But Larson got the start this week. You know, obviously against the Patriots. Going back two weeks ago, Kenny Wiggins got the start. So I think they've had a fair share of, you know, snaps at left guard, snaps at right guard, and just snaps with the first team overall in lieu of Shane Lemieux's injury. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Lemieux in week one. We haven't really heard anything. Uh, we've heard some stuff, though, about John Ross, Kadarius Tony, and Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph. They were all running routes before practice. Same thing with Saquon Barkley. They looked good. So maybe uh, they'll be ready for week one, just praying for that one. But in terms of uh, Ted Larson, Kenny Wiggins, I think that some of the stuff in terms of who's going to make the roster is going to depend on the extent of Ted Larson's injury. If he's out a couple of weeks, I think they're going to say, hey, listen, you know, uh, it was a good run with us, but we're going to end up putting you on IR, wave you with the injury designation, stuff like that, and then just take Kenny Wiggins. Now, it's definitely possible if Larson's injury is not too major, uh, they keep him on the roster, they cut Kenny Wiggins, or they keep Kenny Wiggins as extra uh, security, but Jonathan Harrison was taking some reps at left guard tonight. He didn't look so good, my personal opinion, just based off the eye test. Um, his normal position is center, obviously. They put in Brett Heggie a little bit, and then, you know, basically we're doing the O-line rotation thing, which had Slade and Jake Burton and some of the other guys as well. Um, the offensive line looked rough to start, finished off nicely to end the half. Obviously, we're fine to end the half, nothing big to kind of uh, talk about, you know, secure protection, fine protection, decent protection for Daniel Jones towards the end of the half. But they started off not so great. They didn't. Uh, the Giants allowed a total of four sacks and 11 quarterback hits during the game. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's more quarterback hits or as many quarterback hits as O'Shane Zimmon has had in his rookie season. That is not good. I don't care if it's from this side, that side, whatever. That is not good. And when we're going into week one, and we're going to be facing the likes of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, it's not going to be an easy test. Especially when the game comes down to the defense. My personal opinion. And also a point to make. Obviously I mentioned, O-line was rough to start. They had a decent end of the half. We can't be having games this season... Where it's, okay, the O-line's going to start tough. Uh, 
you know, they're going to have a couple of bad reps, and then they get better towards the end. That is something we cannot have. I will give my full attention and full understanding to this offensive line needing to gel. I give my full understanding. But if we're playing like we opened up the Patriots game to start every game, well, we better be making some calls about offensive linemen or something like that. Because that's not going to stand against teams like the Broncos, teams like the freaking Washington football team, uh, teams possibly like the Bears, some of the biggest edge-rushing teams. The, the, the freaking Rams are not going to stand for that. They're going to bully us in the first half like they did last year. So we can't be having these games where, oh, we start out tough, we start out, you know, not great, for lack of better words, and then we move on and we get better. That can't happen. You know, we do play the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the football team twice a year. But the other guys, we don't play twice a year. My point is, oh, well, you'll get better. You know, nobody can say, oh, you can get better, you know, down the stretch the second time you face these guys. We only do that three times. Cowboys, football team, Eagles. Unless we see some of these teams in the playoffs, it's no excuse. It really should be no excuse at all, honestly. But we can't be having these games where it's, oh, the O-line's going to start out not great and then it's going to finish strong. Because what if we're down 17 to nothing and the offense isn't scoring points and then they finally get cracking in the fourth quarter and the final score is like 10 to 17? What are you going to do then? Blame it on the defense? Because the defense is probably going to carry us this season. My personal opinion. I could be wrong on that, and I hope to be wrong partially. The Giants' depth gave up a lot in the ground game. Now, I'm not going to get too specific with what they gave up. They obviously gave up more in the second half than they did the first half. They allowed a total of 125 yards on the ground, which is 6 yards per carry compared to the 21 rushes. But that, once again, is kind of like last week. No setting the edge, no penetration in the backfield, barely any tackles for a loss. It's not great. And once again, if you're a linebacker, if you're a defensive lineman, even Carter Coughlin, in my personal opinion, did not even have a good game. I thought he was just silent. And I've been a guy that's been saying, oh, Carter Coughlin, you know, he could possibly be something this year for us, whether it's a role player or whatever. I don't think he had the greatest game. I don't, you know... If he was doing something, I missed it. Completely silent. But there was no linebacker, there was no defensive interior that really stuck out to me in that running game, trying to set the edge, trying to penetrate through the middle. I didn't see anything. And that's going to be a tough decision for when they have to do the final 53. Which guys can defend the pass, which guys can stand up against the run, which guys can do both, whatever. You have to be decent and at least two-dimensional when it comes to trying to make a roster because if you're a guy now obviously O'Shane Zimnes has a big impact in the passing game but if he's trying to make the roster with a loaded team across the league maybe like the Rams or maybe the Bears or a team that has a strong pass rush and a not so strong running game let's say for example he's not going to make the team because they're going to say well we have enough pass rushing linebackers we need linebackers that are going to be good in the running game. He's not that guy. But 
But the point I'm trying to make here is no one has really stood out. Trent Harris last week. This week, absolutely not. Going to say it right now. That's one of my concerns with the defense. But once again, my concerns are more with the offensive side of the ball. And we'll continue to that with this subject. Similar route concepts from last year in this game. Not great. Not great. And I understand. You know, some people are like, well, you know, they could be very vanilla to start and then maybe open it up a little bit. I think that's a possibility. And I understand they had the same talent from last year basically playing in this game. You know, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Caden Smith. But once again, you saw how that worked against a defense like this. And even maybe going into the second quarter, you can't even make an excuse. Because the Patriots pulled their defensive line. They pulled their defensive backs. So it was basically just two and three guys facing the Giants' starting offense. And they couldn't get anything done till the back end of the second quarter. Which, once again, the big highlight was the Caden Smith touchdown. And once again, that was an explosive play downfield. And I said this earlier in the podcast. If I didn't, I'm going to say it now. If I did already, well, I'm going to repeat myself. You can have short routes and all that stuff. Here's a positive to it. It takes up time of possession if it works. If it doesn't work and it soaks up time of possession, what time do you have left if your defense can make a stop on the other team? Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's not going to work. So, and at least, obviously I was talking about this with the Daniel Jones thing. I can take Daniel Jones trying to go downfield and he throws an interception. Because he's taking a risk. He's trying to stretch the field. He's trying to make an explosive play. With that touchdown, he was trying to flip it to Ingram, throw it to Ingram for a one-yard pass in the end zone that they should have put in with a run. But the offensive line, the tight ends were not blocking well. So, you know, you rather take a big risk and fail and say, eh, well, you know what? It was a big risk. You know, I was trying to stretch the field rather than just, okay, well, I was trying to throw it in the end zone for a touchdown. It seems like the latter is what you want to do. But no, it's not what you want to do. You'd rather take big risks throwing vertically downfield. Now, the one thing I did appreciate to some extent was the end arounds. Obviously, I think that's a little bit creative. Um, you know, the Giants broadcast brought up that, oh, well, they did this last year. I don't think they did it as much as they were talking about last year. It's creative, but that's not going to work every time because when they tried doing it with Sterling Shepard, well, he got trapped in the backfield for a one-yard loss. So you have to be creative and you have to have explosive plays downfield. And if you have these same route concepts, when Kadarius Toney and John Ross and Kenny Galladay come back and Kyle Rudolph, how do you expect to have a successful offense or anything better than last year? I'm not usually one to criticize or critique someone else's play calling because I'm not a football guy in the respect of I've never played the game professionally. But the way this has been going, I'm getting 
a good perspective on it, and I'm making my opinion based on what's going on right now. If this doesn't improve, I don't know. We could end up just like last year or, you know, with like two more wins. My personal opinion. Uh, to more positive things, I don't really want to get too negative. Dexter Lawrence made his name known. He was one of the more underrated players on the defense against the Patriots. Um, I thought he did some things in the run game well, definitely doing some tackling. And he did have that one sack on, uh, what's his face, Mac Jones. I don't know why I'm forgetting his name. But he did have the sack on Mac Jones a couple plays after he did have that defensive holding penalty. So that's a positive. You know, you rebound. And then the final one. Radarius Williams looked good, but is he good enough in relief of Vodori Jackson? He looked good today. I'm not going to say he looked great. You know, MVP corner, Darrell Revis on the opposite side of James Bradbury. But, you know, he looked decent. I don't think I would trust him starting week one. I'd rather start a guy like Julian Love or, you know, we don't really have any other guys, honestly, that I would trust over Radarius Williams other than Julian Love. But hopefully Adoree's back week one. But with Darius Williams, six-round pick, you can't expect a lot. And he's definitely doing well in camp so far and in the preseason games as best as he can. So uh, I'll give credit to him there. Uh, but if you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops and video drops. More content coming out through the week. Boys in the Big Apple, Mondays, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Definitely listen to us on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and all the other platforms. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, I'm mostly active on. I'm going to try to get more Yankee content going out. I know I've been saying it for the past couple of weeks or past two weeks, really. But, you know, with all the roster talk and the stuff of the Giants, you know, this has been kind of crowding it a little bit. And I'm not going to really give an analysis or a recap based on something I didn't watch. So peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool and keep up with the content.